Well, we're in the middle of a series called Revision. A series where we're talking about how one story started out and then it sort of ended a little different, right? Because that's kind of where we are in the season at North Point, right? Like, just what, two months ago? We were like, oh, it's going to look this way forever. And then all of a sudden it didn't. And so the next two weeks, I want to talk us through a day in the life of Jesus. A day in the life where time after time, it didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. And I realize that's a weird thing to say about Jesus because he was all-knowing. But we all have free will. And so we get to step into the story he's writing sometimes and take the pen. This morning, the story that I'm going to talk you through shows up in all four Gospels. Now, the Gospels are those stories that are written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so if you're new to reading the Bible and you just start reading and you're like, I think I've read this story before, right? All four of those are coming from the same point in time. They're all talking about the time which Jesus walked the earth. Those 33 years from his birth to the empty tomb. And so this particular story shows up in all four of those. So if all four writers thought it important to put this story in what they were writing, I think it's important for us to sit in it for just a little bit and see what God is going to tell us. Because so many times we talk about that the Bible is the living word of God, and we're like, Rachel, I'm, that's really creepy. I'm not really sure what that means, right? Well, you know, when God said, let there be light, boom, there was light. And when God worked in the hearts and minds of the people who wrote the Bible, he said, these are the things I want remembered forever. And so when we read them, something happens inside of us. And we can read them time and time again. And each time we get something new and something different and you know, some novels that you read, like Where the Crawdad Sings, it ends the same every time. You know what's coming. You see the same story. And while the stories in the Bible don't change, the way we see them changes from time to time and the moment that we are in our life. And that's how they become alive and living. And so this morning as we talk about a story that you've probably heard before, I always think it's funny that we call it the loaves and the fishes, right? Because you're not supposed to pluralize fish. And so many times we're known to just pull a story right out and we just bookend it. And we're like, okay, we'll take these verses. And we forget to say what happened before and what happened after really makes that moment. Because if I were to take any moment in your life and I were to pull it out and I would say, explain this moment in your life to me, it would be very hard for you to do without giving me a little backstory, without telling me a little bit about how you got to that point. And then most of us, when giving that story, would give a hope or a future or wonder where it was headed, right? 
If you've not been coming to the pastor's class, I encourage you to do that. This is my commercial plug. Are you ready? Because at 9 o'clock on every Sunday, the pastors are rotating through. And I just finished the book of Ruth. And we did this with Ruth. We started at 1-1 and we went all the way to 4, I forget what the last verse is, like 37 or something. And we talked about how that story worked and intertwined. Next Sunday, we start with Jonah. I encourage you to be a part of that, right? Watch how the scripture works its way through and how every story is overlapped in a different story. All of these show up. I told you that. But the one that I'm camping out in today is Mark. I like the way Mark writes. Mark is one of the shortest of the Gospels, and yet the stories that he tells are super detailed. And so he's concise, but thorough. I like that. Luke, he's a little wordy, not going to lie. He was a doctor. John, super emotional. We love that about him, but I'm just going to tell you. Matthew gives the highlights, but we find that oftentimes Matthew had different perspectives of people, and so if he didn't want them in the story, he didn't write them in. Because you see, that's how we know these stories are true. It's because four different people wrote about them, and each one is uniquely just a little bit different. It's not that one lied. It's not that it didn't happen or it's not true. I think it's the movie The Case for Christ. They talked about how that's how you know that the tomb story is true because every account is just a little bit different. And if you were to walk into a crime scene, perhaps, and you were to ask all the different witnesses what their story is, they're all going to give you a tiny little bit a different perspective. And so they're going to remember parts or leave parts out or have it interpreted something a little bit different. It's when you walk into a story and every story is exactly the same, you know, something weird's going on, right? And so when we can read the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and see that each writer gives us a tiny little different perspective, that's how we know it really happened. But the backstory on that is this is not long after Jesus calls the 12 disciples to follow him. Now, something crazy about this that, that I'm not really sure why we leave out in church history or why we don't talk or preach about all the time. But not long after he called on 12 of them, he sat them down and he said, guys, I'm going to send you out two by two. Now, they hadn't been through any classes. They hadn't seen Jesus do a whole lot of stuff. He'd healed some people. He'd made some pretty major moves. He'd said some wonderful things. But he said, guys, I'm going to send you out in two by two. I don't even want you to take a bag. I want you to trust that where you're going, somebody will take care of you. And I want you to go and I want you to do miracles and wonders in my name. Okay. And so they go off. And it says they went off and groups of two by two, and they went out and did miracles in Jesus' name. And in the Gospels, it, it shows up th this much. That's what happened right before this. It says the disciples came back, and they were telling Jesus about all the good stuff that happened. I want to know what the good stuff was. I want to know 
how they did it. The Bible doesn't give us that part. I think there's a story there. I think there's a, a lesson for us. And the things that we do in the name of Jesus and how much our name gets put on them. But they come back to Jesus and this is where the disciples are in the story. They've just done this amazing moment. And this is where Jesus is in the story. Just moments before he has learned that his cousin, I don't know if you know anything about John the Baptist, and if, if you don't, that's okay, but I would encourage you to study about him. He was Jesus' cousin, and his job was to tell people that Jesus was coming, that the Messiah was near. And he invested his whole life in that. He gave his whole life to preaching about his cousin. They grew up together. They were close. And Jesus finds out just moments before this story happens that at a party that King Herod had, when he told his daughter she could have anything she wanted, she asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter, and he gave it to her. And so Jesus has just found out that his cousin has died in his name. And so we see the, the excitement. But we also see the, the devastation, right? Our life is like that, isn't it? There are very few seasons in our life that everything is great or everything is horrible. We find ourselves in seasons where stuff just keeps coming. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the hard stuff, the uncomfortable stuff. It, it all, it just keeps coming, doesn't it? We just keep living life. And so the disciples come back, and I think we're ready to start in the scripture now on the slides. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Jesus doesn't tell them about what he just found out. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He had a lot. Have you been there? Have you been there in life when you're like, you know, I, I know I got a lot to do, <laughs> but a lot's happened. And I just need to rest a minute. I need to catch my breath. And I need to talk to the creator of the universe. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. I love that Mark points that part out. Right? They're hungry. So chances are they hangry, right? And so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. I'm going to ask for that slide that shows um, Capernaum and Bethsaida, okay? So you know me and you know I'm a nerd. 
So I researched, right? So these are recent pictures of the actual place where all of this happened, okay? So they were in Capernaum, and he said, let's go find a quiet place. Let's get off someplace and rest. And they move to Bethsaida, and it's in Bethsaida where the people start coming in, right? And, and, and it's like, oh, it's getting crowded around here. Like, I thought Bethsaida was like the quiet place, right? And so they get in a boat, and they head just kind of across the water there. It's not super far. And they head across the water to the beach, but because of the way that works and because of how short it is around there, as the people, as Jesus and his disciples get in the boat and head to the beach, the people go, well, we'll just catch up with them. And they just take off on foot and they're heading around. And so he's on the boat and they're just walking. I see him, I see him, I see him. The next picture. So he hits this beach right here and and you can see why he wanted to go here. This is sort of a, a peninsula, is that the word I'm looking for? A three-sided uh, land mass that stretches out into the water. Can you tell I used to be a teacher? Oh my goodness, that was weird. So they hit the beach and the people have come around and there is nothing out there, guys. There's just this piece of land that sticks out and there's the mountains back there. There's not a whole lot in the mountains. And we see this spot marked in this picture called Feeding the 5,000. Now, I have one more picture that's just an explanation picture because you're like, what is that gray stuff, right? Okay, so this picture shows you it's netting because that area was so green and so lush where the land stuck out there that now they've turned it into farms. And so this is all netting that stretches over all of these orchards and things that grow there now. But when Jesus hit the beach that day, and we go back to the other slide, it was just green, nothing. And what, there's still not a town there. We can go back to scripture. So they left the boat for a quiet place where they could be alone, but many people recognized them and saw them leaving and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And then here's the thing that changes it all. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Guys, can I tell you that as we go through this season at North Point and we say, man, th we've been through a lot. We're, we're, this is heavy. I think we should just take a big breath and I think we should just go to a quiet place. And you know what? People are still going to come through those doors. Just this week, I left my office to go get lunch with Pastor David. And there was somebody in our grass sleeping against our light pole. And it just happened to be somebody I know. Somebody that I thought was in a recovery program somewhere that I had met. I said, buddy, what are you doing? He'd relapsed and he'd just come off of a four-day high. He said, Pastor Rachel, he said, I don't even know. He said, what day is it? I said, it's Wednesday, buddy. He said, I had someplace I was supposed to be on Monday. I said, Monday gone. I said, how'd you get here? 
He said, I woke up in a hotel room this morning. I didn't know where I was, but I knew if I could get to you, Pastor Rachel, you'd love me. And he said, I walked five hours to get here. He said, I've been to North Point. You people are the real deal. I said, get in the car. I took him and got him some lunch, brought him back. He slept in one of the couches out there. Pastor David and I made some phone calls, got him to a safe place. You know what I really wanted to do that day? I wanted to sit in my office and I wanted to say, God, show me what's next for North Point. God goes, I ain't got that. He's out front. I looked at that man. I said, buddy, get in the car. Pastor David looked at me across the front seat. He goes, is this what it's like to do ministry with you? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm here for it. And so there are going to be days when I'm not, it's, we're going to be tired. We're going to be hangry because we know they, did, we ha they haven't eaten yet. But people are going to show up. It's the compassion that comes from inside because of the God we serve that says, it's okay, man. Get in the car. Right? The next slide says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him. Now they haven't had breakfast. And we're late in the afternoon. And they said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Jesus, you need to send these people home. They can go to nearby farms and villages, and they can buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. Now, this is where Jesus says, okay, this is my test. This is, I'm going to see if what all they've been learning. I'm going to see how big their faith is. Is it big as a mustard seed? Because remember, that's why the backstory is important. These guys just came back from doing miracles and wonders in Jesus' name. And they get hungry and they look at Jesus and say, what are we going to do? We ain't got enough money. And he said, why are you talking to me? You feed them. Over the next few months, you're going to come to me and you're going to go, Pastor Rachel, we, what are we? I'm going to say, you feed them. Me and you serve same God. And he is faithful. If all that we've been through already hasn't proved to you that he will be in all that we are about to go through, let's start over, right? And they say, with what? And I think Jesus' heart sunk right then, like his face went, right? They say, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. They immediately went materialistic, didn't they? They just got back from doing signs and wonders in Jesus' name. And immediately they're going, well, the budget says. And do you know how much we'd have to work to get enough money to buy just even bread? And Jesus is like, what are you worried about that kind of stuff for? My dad is the creator of the universe. 
last thing we need to worry about is the material part of this story. I'll take care of that. Sometimes that's hard to remember, right? And so then Jesus doesn't ask him how much money they have. He asks him how much bread they have. When you get to a point in your story and God asks you to do something big, you say, God, I don't, I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have this. And he says, how much faith you got? Because you see, Jesus is the bread of life. So anytime in the scripture he's talking about bread, he's saying, how much of me you got? And he says, go out and find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, this is where you can fill in the story from other parts of the story. We learn over in John that he asked Philip how close the closest bread store was, literally, he asked him, right? Because Philip was from uh, Bethsaida, and so Philip knew where the closest bread store was. And it was as if Jesus was saying, I know you know the logistics, but watch me work outside the logistics, right? Matthew tells us that, I think it's Matthew, might be Luke, tells us that the loaves and the fish, or the fishes, um, came from a little boy. Now, if you're growing up in Sunday school, you hear the story and your Sunday school teacher says, are you like the little boy? Will you give Jesus all that you have, right? The way that's written, they bought the lunch from the little boy. They took all the money they had and they went out into the crowd and they said, do you have anything to eat? Do you have anything to eat? I'll buy something from you. Do you have anything to eat? Do you and this little boy says, oh, I'm gonna make some money. Because if we really think that there were 5,000 people there that day and not one person but that little boy had a piece of bread, come on. There were 5,000 people there that day and only one little boy willing to sell everything he had to Jesus. Jesus walks into your store and he says, you got any bread? You got any bread? I'll give you something for that bread. And we say, oh, no. I bought enough bread for myself. I'll just stay right here. And God says, you're missing out on a miracle. You're missing out on a miracle. Don't hold back from God. He never asks for anything without giving you something in return. We talk about surrender, and I get that, and I know that's what it is, and it's giving our all. But if we think we do that and don't get anything in return, come on. I got lists and lists and lists and lists of things God has done in my life because at one point in my life I said, God, here it is, all of it. It's weird. It's crazy. It's full-figured and loud. But you can have it all. And he goes, thank you. Now watch what happens. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And that's why I wanted to show you the picture where the orchards and things are now, right? So we're talking 5,000 men 
So we're talking there was probably about 20 to 25,000 people there that day. And he looks at 12 guys and he goes, sit them down in groups. That's a whole lot of people, right? Now here's where more research comes in that makes it kind of amazing. The way these words are written in the original text, these words are the same words that are used when you talk about the Passover meal. And the Passover meal is super specific. It's done in a certain way. You have to sit in a certain place and a certain prayer is prayed and it's distributed in a certain way. And this next part of the story lines up with that. And so when he said sit them down in groups, they began sitting them down in groups and they were sitting kind of like in a U position as if it were a, a three-sided rectangle. And so the men would have been sitting the closest and then their wives would have been behind them and their children would have been sitting behind them. And so you have groups like that. And the only other time you sit like that is for the Passover. But immediately these people began sitting. This is a meal they would have known and recognized. The next slide says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Now, this is where we think the miracle happened, right? And we say, God, here it is. Here's all of it. You can have all of it. Bless it, God. Bless it. When we translate this, what Jesus actually prayed was he prayed the prayer of the Passover right then. He wasn't allowed to do that. He didn't have the authority to do that. The people who were sitting there that day, they would have been like, what is going on? He is praying the prayer of the head of the household when they prayed the prayer over the Passover, what is going on? This is where the miracle happens, guys. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. We give God everything. So here it is, God. Bless it. God goes, okay. I'm going to break you. We forget that part of the story, right? He says, for you to be more, for me to multiply inside you, you can't stay looking like you do. I'm going to have to break off little pieces of you. That's where the miracle happens. The miracle happens in the breaking. And Jesus begins to break the bread. I wish I was there. What did that look like, right? Because he broke, he broke, he broke. And people just kept eating and eating and eating. They're feeding Grand Pines today. One of the things they're feeding them is rolls, so I went and stole one. There were five loaves. These weren't just regular loaves. These were barley loaves. And the reason they, scripture is super specific is that was the um, less than bread, right? If you had wheat loaves, you were bougie. But if you had barley loaves, you was poor. 
And this little boy sold his barley loaves. And so God is taking the least, what people would consider, eh, it's okay if that's all we got. And he's making it amazing. So imagine if this were just one of the barley loaves and I handed it to Shalon and I said, Shalon, I want you to go and I want you to feed a thousand homes in our community. You ready? Can you catch it? I want you to take that, she did, almost. I want you to take that one piece of bread, Shalon, that one piece of bread, and I want you to break it, and I want you to go feed a thousand houses in our community. That's what happened that day. If there were 5,000 men and there were five loaves of bread, then each one of those tiny little barley loaves fed a thousand households. So the next time we sit here as a body and we say, God, we're just a tiny little church on Major Drive. God says, if you'll just let me break you, watch what happens. If you just let me work, if you'll give me what you have, you say, God, all we got is barley. I wish we were wheat, but we not. Our carpet, it got clean this week. It looks great, but I'm telling you, it's old. We got holes in the wall. We got toilet and bathroom don't work. We've been trying to mow the grass for six months. It still ain't mowed. God, are you sure? Are you sure this is the one? And God goes, watch this. I'm going to touch 85 teachers at Amelia Elementary. I'm going to touch 60 women at the Melton Center. I'm going to rock 40 men at the Dream Center. That's just a short list. He kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people, and he also divided the fish. I think that Mark makes this part really short because that's just gross, right? Because they were sardines, right? Like, who likes sardines to start with? And then, like, the pickled fish, they tiny little pickled fish, and Jesus did break it with his hands and handed it out to people, like, I'm so glad we don't have the details on that part. They all ate as much as they wanted. There's something to that. There's something to that. What is as much as you wanted? Are we not eating enough? Are we eating too much? Are we eating as much as we wanted when God serves us? And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. And it gets gross again because that means the bread and the fish were all mixed up. And but it was a miracle, so we're going to talk about it, okay? I got a picture of a basket because the basket here is important. Now, this is a modern-day rendition of what the baskets would have looked like back then. And back then, every good Jew would have carried one of these baskets with a blanket and hay in it if they were ever going to leave their hometown because they didn't want to touch the things of other people if they had to sleep in a country that wasn't theirs. Okay? They didn't want to mix and mingle. And so we think, oh, they got 12 extra baskets. How handy. One for each guy, right? 
But the truth of the matter is it was at that point that they emptied what they were confident in. They emptied the security of what they knew. And they said, oh, I don't need this hay. I don't need this blanket. If God's going to give me this much, I don't need the things that I hold on to. I'm going to empty this and I'm going to fill it with God's blessing. That basket meant a whole lot. They gave up even more when the miracle happened. God's going to do some big things in this community. He already has and he always will. Will you empty your basket? Will you let go of the things that you think you need to be comfortable in a foreign land? Will you let go of the things that you hold close and you wonder, oh, I'm just going gonna, gonna to keep this because if I get in this situation, this is going to make me feel good, right? And God goes, if, you, if you'll empty that basket, I, if you'll empty all those things that you feel like you need to clutter your life with, I will fill it with blessing. I'm going to fill it with leftover miracle. Leftover miracle. What are you going to do with your leftover miracle? How does the story end, Dale? total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills to pray by himself. There's always going to be a time to pray. The story may not go like we thought, People may show up at our doors. We may have to offer compassion, but there will always be a time for us to head into the hills and pray. The original words in here says, he went into the mountain, not on top of the mountain, not, do we have that picture again, Dale, where it talks about where Jesus prayed? I think Dale was probably the most nervous of me being the interim pastor, right? Because my slides never have any order. I never know when they're gonna come, right? It's the one, it's the next one. Here we go. See where it says the place Jesus prayed afterward? That's like a plateau right there. It's not the top of the mountain. It was a flat place in the mountain where he went in and there was refuge there. But as he sat there and prayed, he looked out over all that had just happened. And he also could see the disciples that he just sent out in a boat. There's something to that. Jesus went into the mountain to pray. As we find times in this next season to head into the mountain to pray to show compassion, to watch miracles, to give all that we have, to see bread broken and multiplied, to carry home baskets full of miracles. May we know that ultimately the writer of the story is the creator of the universe. 
We talk about revision. We talk about how this story didn't go the way Jesus had planned for it to go that day, but he was okay with that. Because he trusted his dad. And he said, if you're going to put this in front of me, I'm going to do it. I've lived enough life and I've walked enough stories with Jesus to know we're going to be okay. We're going to show some compassion. We're going to be ready for some miracles. I hope we empty our baskets and carry home leftover miracles. And I also know it's important that we head into the mountain and pray. Because when you come back next week, we're going to figure out what happened next. Because if you thought that story was crazy, wait till you hear the next one. I haven't forgotten what to say. I'm just letting it all sink in. Research says you need five minutes after something like this to absorb it and take just a tiny part of it to remember. That's why we sing these songs and stuff at the end. If I were just go, okay, I'm done. See you next week. You'd forget what I said by the time you hit the parking lot. I don't think we need any songs this morning. I think we just need a moment to take it in. A moment to understand that God showed up and he's going to show up again. And he's right here working our story. And even if you're hangry, God is God. And miracles happen in surrender. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we come to you today. We thank you so much. We thank you for this time where we can just talk about who you are. Thank you for how this story unfolds. Thank you for the details that mean so much. God, may we take your living word home with us. And because we encountered you in a new and different way today, may we never be the same. God, I want you to know that right here, right now, I'm emptying my basket. I'm getting rid of the things that feel comfortable. And I'm ready for the leftover miracles. May we have compassion that wrecks our community. And when we surrender, God, may we be ready to be broken to be more. We love you so much.